Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. God means you can take it to the bank, or as the famous Texan Mildred Dombo used to say, you bet your life on that. (laughs) Anyway, it was so unlikely that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a baby. They're 100 years old, you know. I mean, they're standing in the face. I mean, there's God. They're standing in the face of their age. God's standing in the face of that unlikelihood. And God uses the word certainly, you know, to kind of defy the obvious and Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. This promise of Sarah having Isaac is very important, and the word certainly emphasizes the, the point that's being made here. And in the book of Romans, in chapter 9, and if you turn to this, Paul refers to this verse and this certainty, and he says something very important for us in Romans 9, 8 through 9, where it says... That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of the promise. At this time will I come, Sarah shall have a son. See, the key to understanding those verses, as I was trying to emphasize the parts in there, comes from the terms, the children of the flesh and the children of God, and the children of the promise, and the word of promise. See, because in this, in the, this is, as you know, these, these three chapters, Romans 9, 10, and 11, are all about the subject of the spiritual death and the rebirth of the Jewish people. And if you've gone, if you've had the wonderful experience of going to the Jewish people and looking for a positive reaction when you speak to them about the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what Paul's talking about here. Because when he speaks about the spiritual death of the Jewish people that caused Paul to have said in the beginning of this chapter, Romans 9-2, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, it wouldn't go away. And if you brought the gospel to the Jewish people, then you also know personally that great heaviness and continual sorrow that you can't shake because of their spiritual dead state. And we all with Paul have said, we just don't see how the Jewish people can come to life in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've told you this before when I was in the Philippines and the Filipino pastor came up to me and he said, I met my first Jewish person. He was shocked and I said, what's wrong? He said, the Jewish person told me I'd rather go to hell than believe in Jesus. And that's not atypical. And we all with Paul have said, we just don't see how the Jewish people could come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all with Paul have looked at the Jewish people and with Ezekiel, we saw what Ezekiel described in Ezekiel 37.1, the valley which was full of bones. And when we look around all the Jewish people as a whole and try, and try to imagine then coming to the Lord Jesus, all we see is what Ezekiel saw, 
Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and they were very dry. He's talking about the bones. And we see what Ezekiel saw. Very low probability of any Jewish person turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we wondered the same question that God asked Ezekiel in, the, in Ezekiel 37.3, and he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Yeah. And we see how far the Jewish people are from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we respond to that question, can these bones live just like Ezekiel did in Ezekiel 37.3? And I answered, oh, Lord, thou knowest. I'm not touching that. He says, <laughs> along with Ezekiel, we say, I don't see how. I don't see how, but I don't see how. And from trying to bring the gospel to the Jewish people, we say the same thing. I don't see how the Jewish people can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And with Paul, that same, Paul says the same thing. I don't see how the Jewish people can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And faced with this dilemma, we ask Paul, Paul, what's the answer to the great dilemma? And Paul answers us, through Genesis 18.10, to answer the question, he says in Romans 9, he says, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are caught up with the seed. This is the word of promise at this time. Will I come and Sarah shall have a son. So Paul is saying there, look, when you read Genesis 18.10, you need to see that it's a word of promise. It's a word of promise for a child of promise. That's what's all tied up in here. And he's saying, Paul is saying to us, listen to the word of promise. Look for the child of promise. Don't be discouraged by looking at the children of the flesh. And he's directing us, Paul's directing us in Gen- through Genesis 18.10 with that important word, certainly. There is as much chance of the Jewish people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ for life as there is for a hundred-year-old couple to have a baby. <laughs> There's as much chance of the, of the Jewish people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ for life as there is for a valley of very dry bones to stand up and have life. You know, in Ezekiel 37.2, it was a very important statement when Ezekiel said, lo, they were very dry. Like he looked at them, you know, he took a look. He says, they're very dry. You know, the picture Ezekiel saying, you know, before I answer this question, let me have a look at a couple of these bones. Maybe I can see some red marrow in them, <laughs> some sign of life, something. And he comes back and he says, they're very dry. You know, <laughs> like it made a difference. <laughs> but he's saying, no, it's impossible. So how does, how does this verse in Genesis 18.10, apply to us personally. We've got to freeze the picture. Freeze the picture of the time right after Abraham and Sarah have heard God's promise. You know, it says, he says, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and so Sarah thy wife shall have a son. See, right at that time, right then, just before the semicolon, or just after the semicolon, before you get to Sarah's response, that's a scene to freeze in our mind. Why? Because that's a great point of decision. That's a crossroads right there. Abraham and Sarah had just heard God promise something that to them was absolutely, that's impossible. God's promise of a son to Abraham and Sarah seemed so impossible that it became for both of them something to laugh off. It's a joke. It's something to laugh about. For them, God's promises just could not happen. And they were at this crossroads of decision, Abraham and Sarah were. Either they could lean to their own understanding 
and respond to God's promise with the laughter of unbelief, and that road is called the road of unbelief, where they would say, I'm not going to make a fool out of myself and before others by saying that here we are 100 years old, we're going to have a baby. To laugh is to go down the road of unbelief. To laugh is not to take God seriously. It's to say, that's a joke. I will, I, I will believe what, that when I see it. In the meantime, I can't take that promise seriously. And I'm not going to get myself all worked up over it. It's just funny. And or they could have said, as incredulous as it sounds for a 100-year-old couple to have a baby, that's God's promise. I'm going to believe it. That's God's promise, and I'm going to go tell others that I believe it. And we're going we're gonna to get this baby room ready here in this tent, and we're going to get the bassinet and everything, even though there's no evidence that, that the 100-year-old couple are going to have a baby. There's not even a little baby bump. Yeah. <laughs> but they're going to get the baby room ready. That's the road of belief. See, that's the road of belief. Now, you and I, we're not 100 years old. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> And we don't have a hard-to-believe promise like that, that we're going to have a baby when we're 100. That was Abraham and Sarah's hard-to-believe promise. But you and I are in the same position, in a sense, as Abraham and Sarah with an equally hard-to-believe promise. And because like Abraham and Sarah, you and I have an equally hard-to-believe promise from God that puts us at the same crossroads as Abraham and Sarah. Because with our hard-to-believe promise from God, we have the same choice. Either we're going to take God seriously and believe him, or we're not going to take him seriously and laugh off his promise as a joke. And what's our hard-to-believe promise? Turn, if you would, Isaiah 43, 21. Very hard-to-believe promise. Isaiah 43, 21 through 22. Oh, you write it down. Anyway, Isaiah 43, 21. It says this. This people, that's talking about the Jewish people. This people have I formed for myself they shall show forth my praise. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob. Thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. See, this is a very hard-to-believe promise. This is, this is God's hard-to-believe promise that the Jewish people have been formed, Yatsar, for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very hard-to-believe promise that the Jewish people will show forth the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you tell that promise... To, a Jew, to any Jewish person, that the Jewish people have been formed by and for the Lord Jesus Christ to show forth his praise, they'll laugh it off. They'll laugh it off. They'll say, that's a joke. They'll say, they, they will Yitzhak it off. They will, they will Isaac it off. You know, Yitzhak, Isaac mean laughter. And if you and I take the other, but if you and I, we take this other road, of believing God's promise, believing God's hard-to-believe promise for the Jewish people, then we will, in spite of their view of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll believe God, that the Jewish people have been formed by and for and will show the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will believe in spite of their view of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we will believe, we're just in a little interim period right now, just a little interim period. And the people, the Jewish people are going to come alive out of that valley of death, of dry bones. And we'll pray Paul's prayer for the Jewish people in Romans 10.1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And we'll take every opportunity that God gives us to bring the gospel to the Jewish people. 
and will see those opportunities to speak to the Jewish people as special and will craft our words, will craft what we say, and will craft them to be exactly the same way as the Lord Jesus Christ said he crafted his words when he spoke to them, and he told us how he crafted his words in John 5.34, where he said, these things I say that ye might be saved. See, we'll think like him before we speak to the Jewish people as he did, we'll say to ourselves, how can I craft my words so that the things that I say to them are all designed to lead them to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ? Those are the ways that we take God's hard-to-believe promise about the Jewish people promoting the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ seriously and not laugh it off as a joke. Abraham and Sarah looked at their 100-year-old bodies for any evidence that they could have a baby, and they laughed it off. And they said, there ain't no way, there ain't no way. And when Paul and I and you, and, and we look at the Jewish people for any evidence of them coming to the Lord Jesus Christ for life, we're very tempted to say, there ain't no way. And God said to Ezekiel, don't you walk away, Ezekiel, and laugh off my promise when I say to you these bones will live? And God said to Abraham and Sarah, and especially he called Sarah on it at this time, don't you walk away and laugh off my promise when I say to you you'll have a baby? And God says to us, don't you walk away and laugh off my promise when I say a day is coming when all the Jewish people alive will be promoting the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul builds on this in Genesis 18.10 with these two phrases, the children of promise. It's important to see we're talking about the children of promise. Paul is saying that just as Isaac was a child of promise, so saved Jewish people are children of promise. And when Paul speaks about the Jewish people who do not come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's referring to them as children of the flesh. And just as Isaac was not a child of the flesh, but a child of promise, or what he calls here, a child of God, children of God versus children of the flesh. And just like Isaac was a child of promise, so Jewish people who come to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're children of the promise. And when Paul says in Romans 9, 9, for this is the word of promise, that at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son, Paul is putting great emphasis on describing what God says in our verse in Genesis 18.10 as the word of promise. And as Abraham and Sarah were to believe that they would have a baby because the word of promise, you and I are directed to continue to go to, to pray for, do all we can and look forward to the Jewish people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ because that's a word of promise. And the expectation of Abraham and Sarah for a baby was all about the word of promise from God. And our expectation for the Jewish people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ is all about the word of promise from God. And we can say about Isaac, Isaac was born by the word of God. This is the word of promise. That's a, that, that phrase, being born by the word of promise, being born by the word of God, that's a phrase that describes us in 1 Peter 1.23 where it says, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, being born again by the word of God. We have been born again as sons of God by a word of promise. What's a promise? John 1, 12 to 13. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, 
God's word of promise is that if Jews, any Jew, any Gentile, receives the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, then God's word of promise is they will become sons of God. They will be born again as children of the promise. It'll certainly happen because that's God's word of promise. Now, also we continue in verse 10, Genesis 18, 10, and we read, and Sarah heard it in the tent door. Very specifically identifies where Sarah was. She's in the, in the tent door, which was behind them. So here we can see Sarah, and she's, she's staring out the keyhole of the tent. They, they didn't have keyholes, but anyway, something like that. <laughs> and she's listening very intently to the conversation. And, and the scene is that Abraham has his back to the tent door, where Sarah's kind of hiding behind there, and, and listening from behind. And, and then we come to verse 11, where it says, And Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken. They were really beaten down in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So the whole point of this verse is what we've seen in Romans 9. It's all about the Jewish people coming to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the application. And it don't look like it could happen. And, and they were old and well-stricken in age and ceased to be. It looks like it ain't going to happen. No way that they're going to have a baby. No way the Jewish people are going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really a meaning behind verse 11. And then we read in verse 12. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord also being, being old also? So the key word in verse 12 is the word therefore, because it shows that Sarah was focused on, 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 the, on their condition. She wasn't focused on the word of promise, on what God said. She was focused on what he was saying, and the, thinking about the deadness of her womb and, and, and Abraham's age and so forth. And so therefore, Sarah laughed. And if people look at the Jewish people and hear that they're going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that they'll do what Sarah did and laugh it off. And that's why people who don't believe God's promise and have decided to laugh it off have embraced replacement theology, where they say the church has replaced the Jewish people. See, replacement theology is the equivalent of laughing off God's promise of life in Christ for the Jewish people. Replacement theology is the equivalent of Sarah laughing off God's promise for a baby to be born. But God didn't let Sarah get away with that. And he called her on that in Genesis 18, 13, where it says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I have certainly bear a child which am old? See, God loved Sarah. He loved her too much to let her get away with laughing off his promises of unbelief. And so he says, he, and so he nailed her. And he says, wherefore did she laugh? And then he said, and then he says, he gave, he gave to Sarah the road for recovery, which is the road for recovery for all unbelief, which is the verse 14, where he says, is there anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I'll come unto thee, and he repeats it, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Faith is not based on what's seen. Faith is based on what God has said. Faith doesn't rely on probabilities. It was very improbable, improbable that there should be a resurrection. It never happened before. Faith has one basis, what God says, and nothing's too hard for him. So what we see in verse 14 is that God reaffirms he's going to come back. He's going to have, then the finger was pointed at Sarah, and so all of, a Sarah, all of a sudden Sarah, she seems to step out of the tent now, and she denies, and she said, no, no, I, she lies. <laughs> she said, I didn't do it. I didn't laugh. I didn't, not me. I didn't, laugh. I didn't laugh off your promise. No, no, no. Why did she do that? Because it says she was afraid. And, and then he said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> he says, I know you laughed, and you laughed. That's the end of it. 
Now, this has become really a, what we see here all too much for Sarah to stay behind the door. She should come out and, she, and, 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 and she lies. And, 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 but it's, it, it, this was not a good day for Sarah. <laughs> this is not one of the more flattering histories of Sarah in the Bible. But thank God this is not the end of the history. This is certainly not the end of the history for Sarah because Sarah did not remain in her state of laughing off God's promises as a joke. And turn, if you would, please, to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, where it speaks about um, what happened with Sarah. Because we wouldn't be fair if we only read this in Genesis 18 and we didn't see what eventually happened in Hebrews 11, 11, where it says there, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was deliverer of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. See the words, through faith. Through faith shows us that this is not the same Sarah in Hebrews 11, 11, listening through the tent keyhole and laughing off God's promises as a joke. See the words, receive strength to conceive, receive strength. It shows us that this is a different Sarah. She wiped that smile off her face and she took God seriously. The word to receive brings to us an image of a person opening a door to receive. And through faith, Sarah opened the door so that she could receive strength from God to conceive. Hebrews 11.11 is not the picture we see of Sarah laughing off God's promise and then lying about it. But that's the whole point. The point is that Sarah changed. Sarah changed. That's the point. Sarah changed. She went from a woman who was weak in faith and laughed off God's promise to a, to a woman who's strong in faith, and she changed. And so if Sarah changes, so can we. And Sarah went from being weak in faith to being strong in faith. And how'd she change? How did it happen? Same way it happens with all of us. In Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. See, at first, she did cover her sin. She lied about it. She said, I didn't do it. That's covering it. But from what we see in Hebrews 11, 11, she changed. She confessed. She forsook her unbelief. She was willing, and she did admit that she was wrong, and she forsook her sin. So Genesis 18 is a Bible picture of Sarah in the state of weakness of faith. But that's not the last Bible picture of Sarah. And Hebrews 11, 11 is the last Bible picture of Sarah where we see Sarah strong in faith, which shows that God remembers us, not in the days of our unbelief and our sins and our failures, but in how, like Sarah, we've progressed to believing God. So Sarah and Abraham end with the words, faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to God alone and laughs at impossibility. See, there's the laughter. It's looking at the impossibility, not the promise of God. And cries, it shall be done. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being patient with Sarah. And even, Lord, though she, she laughed you off and you laughed your promise off and then lied about it, but yet, Lord, we thank you that we see a, the picture where she is a turned around person and was strong in faith and received strength from you to conceive, to fulfill God's promise. And we thank you, Lord, if, if you can do it for Sarah, you can do it for us in the times of our weakness, the times of our unbelief. 
that you make us strong like you did these real people of Abraham and Sarah. Thank you for showing this us, showing this through your word today, these things about these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.